Hey team, welcome to episode 87 of Transition Talk, where we talk about dental transitions and how to navigate the sometimes messy path to practice ownership. Today, we have something a bit different for you. Charles will be leading the conversation with a Cane Waters partner. We're going to be diving into the Cane Waters and Associates benchmarking report, the How Does Your Practice Compare for 2022. I'm going to talk about what's going on right now in the world of dental practice metrics and numbers. And despite many of you, if you're practicing, you know of staff shortages inflation, rising costs, practices are continuing to show their resilience. They're going to talk about trends and patterns as well as show how practices can respond and develop the competitive edge to rise above the rest. So without further ado. Listeners, wake up because Christy's not joining me today. It's just me, Charles Loretto. We are excited. Cane Waters and Associates in the house and Hunter Satterfield, my partner, with all his expertise and wealth and tax and his just many years of experience is on the podcast today. He's been with Cane Waters since 2007. I knew him when he was just a little associate and now he is running the show. Came a partner in 2019. He's a CPA. He's an investment advisor. He's a dad. He is a coach. He is the CIO of a $3 billion entity. He is the man, and he is the co-host of the Accumulating Wealth podcast, the podcast that kind of internally competes against the NDP podcast. But we are pumped and excited for him, and uh, welcome Hunter Satterfield. Wow, that was a lot. That was very heavy. I have to bring it, because I'm competing against you, Hunter. Yeah, I hope my wife listens to what you just said. She would also say, uh, yes, he is all those things, but he doesn't run the house. Okay. Well, I so, know. I, story I, checks out, right? Yeah. I think my dog runs the house. I, I don't get to run anything at my house either, so we're in the same boat. Hunter, tell us a little bit more about you. Besides this warm, perfect introduction I gave, tell us a little bit more about you, Hunter. Wow. that's uh, Well, you gave a lot of info. This is great. Uh, yeah. No, it's, it's first off, thank you for having me. This is awesome. Love being here with you. Wish Christy was here in reality. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I still at at Cane Waters, yeah, I I wear many hats. I'm the chief investment officer. So really direct the strategy of our investments here, um, both internal education to our people, external education to clients, making sure that we're moving the firm forward constantly, which is great. Also just kind of run other partner things, but Hey, more importantly, and why I'm here today as well is I still work with about 90 practices across the country. And so the stuff we're going to talk about today, they're dealing with in real time. So hopefully, uh, you know, I can answer your questions. If not, I've got my cheat sheet here. Well, and that's exactly why you're here, because I'm going to pull from all this information that you have, all this experience. And so what we were talking about today is the Cane Waters Report. It's just how does your practice compare report? And if you're interested, it is on the homepage as of this episode on the canewaters.com episode, or you can just simply find that on the resource page. So Hunter, tell us about the how does your practice compare report and what is that? Where does that information even come from? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's the reality is, is that there's a lot of information that's out there in the industry. And a lot of it is polling data or survey data. And this is, you know, as far as we know, this is sort of the one report out there that is real numbers, right? So what we do is we essentially take our accounting department here at CWA and all the clients that run their financial statements through it. This is their profit and losses all aggregated together and then broken out by specialty, by number of doctors. And so these are real numbers. They're real numbers from clients and kind of aggregated up together. And, and I think, look, the reality is, is that, you know, we've been doing this report for many years and it gets better and better each and every year. I would encourage you listeners to go back and even 
grab the previous years and just see how trending data has moved over time. But the reality is, is that the things that we can do as advisors for our clients with this report and being able to find areas of, you know, weakness, areas of strength, you know, you can use this report listeners as a little bit of an opportunity to be, you know, somewhat of a consultant for yourself and see, hey, where am I weak? Where am I strong? Where are things I can improve? And we're going to talk about some of those things today, but that's the genesis of the report and kind of why we spend so much time here internally creating this. And more importantly, you know, you reference that people can go download it. Hey, everybody, it's free. Like we're putting this information out there for free. We want it to be a resource for both clients and non-clients. So please go grab it. And then, of course, as always, if you've got questions, come find our team and we'll help answer them for you. Yeah, and I think this resource is pretty cool. And it is unique because it does come from an accounting firm. It's not just something that we're relying the dentist to comb through their profit loss statements and put this information together. And I know the ADA does uh, something similar. I know their top line is the last I saw was kind of the 800 numbers and their overhead is much higher. But, you know, in all fairness, the ADA, I'm sure, is not a bunch of CPAs that are kind of combing through this financial information using the same data and pulling it out to get that answer. So I don't know that it's truly a representation of what the true overhead is in the practice if you're just looking at that, unless it's done by a true CPA firm with a big enough setting like this. So I think, you know, certainly a compliment to Kane Waters and, and your team for pulling this type of data. Yeah, no, we're talking to thousands, thousands of different practices. You're exactly right. And our process here internally is, is we've obviously got our financial statements with our bookkeeping department and we take those and then it runs through a second set, you know, on our actual planning team to make sure it passes the smell test and, and everything like that. And so the amount of time and effort we spend on it to make sure it's really high quality data for people is well worth our time because of how valuable it, it can be for the industry. I know that you being a speaker and, and travel the country and, and been on many different podcasts yourself and looked at many different even Facebook type forums. Is there any negatives that you kind of hear about this whole how does your practice compare report when you look at other forums? Absolutely not. It's I mean, it's best in class. It's It really is the one that's out there that is, is going to provide provide the most accurate data. And uh, given the number of practices that we've got in the survey data itself, the accuracy is very, very strong. So no, I've never heard anything negative about it or any you know downside to using the information. Well, what I was actually going through there, Hunter, is I think sometimes we hear that the numbers aren't real. Oh, yeah. No, they're real. But yeah, go ahead. No, let's, I, I'll pull, I mean, let's pull some, that string. Sometimes you know, it's like, well, Keen Waters, they have all these giant practices and that can't be real. They must be putting false information and there's no way an orthodontic practice could be two million or their average practice is doing million, two million, three. That's just not real. Yeah. Well, if I don't know if it's fortunate or unfortunate, if it's not real, then we got some tax return issues to solve because <laughs> these are the numbers that are on the tax returns with the IRS. So yeah, no, I, I mean, I have heard that before. Um, I've even heard that from some clients that maybe they're a little bit intimidated yes. by the numbers and that, you know, our average GP, if you, if you look at the report is top line 1.2. I think a couple things there. Number one, um, you know, these are practices. A lot of these practices have worked with us for many years. And so we've worked really hard to help create that growth for them. And so maybe they didn't come to us at 1.2. Maybe they came at 900 and we've pushed them up to that 1.2 level. So I think that's the first thing is, is this is a data set of Kane Waters clients that worked with us mm -hmm. for one, two, 15, 20 years, right? So I think number one. Number two, I mean, these are averages, right? So, I mean, obviously, if an average is 1.2, that encompasses practices that are in 600 for a single doc. And then I've got GPs that are doing upwards of 2 million by themselves. And so when you start thinking through those averages, especially when you get to some of the specialty numbers, you know, because some of those specialists can get up into the four, five, six million dollars by themselves. And so, again, from an average standpoint, we don't want to throw out the outliers when we're doing the analysis because 
those are real practices. Those are real numbers. But I think that's somewhat why the numbers can feel a little intimidating. Sure. But yeah, I'm here to say they're absolutely real, 100%. And I love how you said push, because I do believe that, you know, my understanding that you know, how you are with your clients, you're pushing them. Right. And I think that like if I was to play pickleball with you, you would dominate me. But over time, I do think that it would be a more competitive pickleball game just because I'm playing with somebody that's better than me. Right. And so I think that if you hang around with people that are producing these types of things, these types of numbers and achieving these types of goals, I mean, the likelihood of you succeeding is greater. Yeah. So pickleballs, you and I love pickleball. It's great. Y'all, I don't you, like pickleball when you beat me. That's the you, only you listen problem. Up though, the, the, Charles, if y'all never seen Charles in person, the man, his wingspan is, is outrageous. <laughs> he just covers the net up front and I can't get anything past it. Anyway, so, but point being is, is, yeah, I mean, the reality is, is that I've told clients this for years. If you feel like I'm trying to push you to grow your business, that is actually why you pay me, right? It is for me to help you grow your business and do so obviously in the most efficient way possible, but then also to minimize the tax consequences as a result of that. And then once we get that growth, we're either able to transition into something else, we can invest it in different places, whatever else it is. But you're not paying me to be a yes man in any way. You're paying me to, to absolutely get the most out of your business. And so that's, I think, a lot what happens. And if you look at the past reports that we've generated from years and years ago here, you're going to see the numbers are higher. And, and of course, number one, that could be because of inflation. But number two is, is that we're constantly wanting our practices to get better and better just a little bit each year. Maybe they get that extra shot down the line in pickleball each time that they do it, and all of a sudden they're winning pickleball games instead of losing to Hunter every time, Charles. Man, this is a great segue because this is where I want us to take us down this road. So as you look at this report, and this report obviously has all our specialties that we work with, what are the key metrics that you look at Let's start with our GPs and, you know, probably 67% of our audience are going to be general dentists and, and most of them are probably going to be in a single doc practice. But what are some of those, the key metrics that, you know, you and your team are looking at as you analyze the practice? The way we've done this report points to those things. So we've simplified it. Obviously, I've seen doctors come in over the years with a profit and loss summary that maybe they're doing themselves in QuickBooks and it's got like 46 different subcategories, right? It's like professional fees, professional fees, doctor, professional professional fees staff, right? This aggregates everything up as best that we can to sort of generate three things to look at from a key metric standpoint. Number one, top line, easy, right? Like what am I doing? What are average practices doing? If I'm under it, how can I be better? If I'm over it, how can I still be better, right? So I think that's number one is just focusing on that top line number. Number two are what we would call our direct costs. And those direct costs are things that vary directly as those practices grow. So if you are a million dollar doctor and you scale to three million, your direct costs as a percentage are probably going to be the same. We actually see that in the report listeners. If you are able to download it as you're listening, you know, our GP1 doc practices, their direct costs are going to be right around 42 to 43%. And it's been that way both for 21 and 22. Well, if you go and flip the page to our GP2 doc practice, they're still at 40 to 41. And then if you go look at our three doc, they're still at 40%. So what we see is as they scale from 1.2 to almost $4 million of top line, the percentage is still almost identical. And so the reality is you can gain some efficiencies and economies of scale as you grow your top line. But at the end of the day, that number is going to be about the same as a percentage. So that's key metric number two. Key metric number three is the fixed costs. 
And those fixed costs, what we see is, is that those fixed costs, as you scale, the dollar amount typically doesn't grow in the same proportional amount. Exact same thing that you see in the GP1 doc practices, the fixed costs represent 20% of top line. They go down to 15% of top line in our two doc, and they go all the way down to 13% of top line in our three doc. They don't scale in proportion. And so what ends up happening is, as we grow, we're gaining those economies of scale in our fixed costs, and our overhead starts to rise dramatically. So you'll see that in the report. But the reason we simplify this report down the best we can is so you can focus on those three things. Top line, are my direct costs in line as a percentage? Are my fixed costs in line as a dollar amount? Awesome. Are you telling me that you can actually be more profitable with a higher top line? Is that kind of what you're getting to? Imagine that. Wow. Imagine that. I didn't take all the accounting classes that you have. I'm pretty much, I get an A on that one. Yeah. Let's talk inside those direct costs. So think about those direct costs. What are the three key metrics inside of your direct costs that you do like to look at? Yeah. So I think there's, you know, the people, right? Mm -hmm. The people's number one. Like what, what can I get out of the people in my practice? And we see, you know, really that sort of the magic number there is somewhere between 20 and 24% of your top line collections in those GP practices maybe the pediatrics. We do see some better things and special some some of the other specialists, which we can talk about in a second. But that's number one key metric. Number two, of course, is sort of the lab component that exists in a GP practice. Our doctors kind of range in what type of lab they want, you know, so we do need to use that as an average. And then of course the third one's gonna be your your supplies, both your dental and office supplies. And the reality is, listeners, if you look at this report and you look at your GP one, two, and three doc, you're gonna see the lab and supplies be almost on top of each other as you see the the top line grow. The one place, the one place we can get some small economies of scale is in your staffing. Mm -hmm. So as you grow from, you know, that $1.2 million top line to maybe upwards of $4 million, you still only need one office manager, maybe one and a half billing coordinators or financial coordinators. Yes, you still need to add hygienists and assistants and things like that, but you can get some small economies up front. And that's where we see a lot of those things happen. I think the report shows that. It does. <laughs> Let me look. No, you're exactly right. So what we see is, is that the supplies and lab listeners in there, they pretty much stay identical. So the decrease from 43 down to 40 is pretty much all in the staffing. And we're just getting more out of it. We're squeezing more out of the orange from your team member standpoint, which is one of the most important things as we scale our businesses on if we don't just keep adding staff to add staff, if we can get more out of them. Look, a 3% squeeze on margin on a $4 million business that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. And this kind of goes to our transition conversation of where NDP is involved in this. As we look at key metrics like this, we love growth. We love to bring associates and partners in in this business so we can make them profit, so we can achieve this little bit more juice out of the orange that we've been talking about. Grapefruit. Yeah, grapefruit. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, not a grapefruit guy personally. No? No, I'm, I'm more of an orange guy. Okay. I'm also a cuties guy, not like the actual orange that you have to like cut up and then peel back. No? I'm a cuties guy. Okay. Eat on the run. I, I'm I'm a blackberry, blueberry guy, you know? Oh. Uh, yeah. Don't have to peel those. Nope, nope. It's just straight if in your mouth. you squeeze those, it just, like just gets nasty. Yeah. Uh, my brother-in-law gets upset. He's California guys, and, and they always want to wash it with, like, the apple cider or whatever to make sure there's nice and clean with to get all the bugs no, off. We're not doing that. No, no. I just... We were meant to eat bugs. No. Texas boys. From. We're big boys. We yeah. just... We go straight out. So uh, let's talk about some solutions here because, okay, this how's your practice compare? It's great. We, we've talked about the top line. We've talked about 
about kind of our direct costs and fixed costs and, you know, some goals that we're going to have set. And we talked about inside of direct costs, key metrics that we would have between our employee kind of team costs and then our supply and lab. But let's say you got those bad financial statements that you were alluding to earlier with four pages, you know, of a P&L. And there's just really, there's no percentages tied back into month over month, year over year. We have no percentages tied back to those team, those direct costs, you know, key metrics, a team and lab and supply. When you see, I mean, back in the day when you were seeing new clients and you would see financial statements like that, like what would you do? I mean, what conversations were you having? Like, how did you get that doctor to understand how important it is to have good financial statements? So what would I do in front of the client or behind the scenes? <laughs> I want, let's hear both because I, I know behind the scenes uh, I've seen you. So go ahead, tell us. Behind the scenes. Back then, we used to print things out. And I would want to crumple them up and throw them in the trash can. Um, but no, my, uh, you know, I saw it as opportunity uh, behind the scenes, opportunity for my client to be able to grow their business. Because a lot of times what we see when we see those just exhaustive lists of different categories is what that means to me is there's no strategy. Like there's no strategy of what they're trying to accomplish each and every day. And I think that having high quality financial statements that are produced timely, that are produced consistently, and that are produced accurately is one of the most important ways to grow a business. You've got to have those things to be able to strategically think through what's next for my business. So I looked at it as an opportunity for that client. And I mean, the reality is, is that we take those here and we'll bring, we would bring them in internally and we would put them in our format the best we could to be able to map them against the how does your practice compare and start to talk through, you know, sort of the, the opportunity. You know, the reality is, though, when we look at these things, there's so much nuance, right? I mean, look, we see this report. It's phenomenal. It's high-level stuff. We can do a little bit more nuance, but then we can do a little bit more understanding of things. But the reality is, is that a GP in a small town in the Midwest is going to be different than a GP in a big town in the Northeast. And so being able to take the financial statements that a client gives us how does your practice compare and really figure out where does this client actually belong based on our experience and knowledge is the secret sauce, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about some things that could be, now we're, we're kind of taking this information from how does your practice compare, really going to financial statements. And so we talked about the top line direct and fix. So when we look at that middle line, right, so we got the direct and you've got even some of the fixed costs, what are solutions that you bring the table, uh, meaning that you've now cleaned up their financial statements. You can see that their lab supply, maybe some of their computer software stuff is out of line. You know, uh, by looking at the business, things are just, just don't make sense. What are some solutions that you're bringing to the table with your clients? So let's go through a couple of things. Number one, staffing. So staffing wise, the solution there is, is got to be nothing more than understanding who's on your team. And the math is pretty simple. It's how many hours they work and what are they getting paid per hour? And it's either you're paying them too much per hour or you've got too many hours. Like, it's that simple. And I think people oftentimes think it by employee. It doesn't necessarily have to be employee. It could just be bodies that are working too many hours. Maybe they're not clocking out when they're supposed to or you're letting them carry over because you're a little bit of a pushover or whatever else it is. So just understanding where you're at there and being able to, you know, maneuver that to get your salaries in a little bit better and more aggressive place. 
that's really the the thing there because these are so people right we can't just say hey go fire six people i mean sometimes that has to be the solution but that's the reality on the supplies and lab side of things you know i think one of the you know obviously good inventory controls those things all really really help when you're trying to drive costs down you know the other thing is is that our, our clients are a lot of times on an island you know i mean they're all by themselves out there they're they're doing the best they can ordering wise they think they're getting the best deal whatever else it is and so you know that's why years ago you know our we kind of got together and started eda elite dental alliance just from for the power of the community that we have and the ability to get folks together and really um, get those costs down from an ordering standpoint. But yeah, good inventory controls, making sure you're aligned well, I think is really helpful. On the fixed cost side, the thing I always come down to on fixed costs, I come down to what costs are we spending and are they driving revenue, right? I mean, they are fixed costs, you know, but are they fixed costs that are really helping to create revenue? Advertising is a great example of that, right? I mean, if you're spending a ton in advertising, am I getting something out of it, you know, at the end of the day? And so, again, understanding am I trying to grow, am I not trying to grow, and how that goes together with your advertising spend is important as well. So that's kind of how we go through it. So I think, too, you know, let's just take a million-dollar practice that had a $300,000 team cost. So in that example, 30%. So we all agree that's high. And we'll what we're hearing right now in the marketplace is I go and travel the country or pick up phone calls, you know, throughout the week from people talking about inflation, 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 right? It's just people cost, you know, in my area, it's $53 now to, you know, get a hygienist and you don't understand my area and people, people, people. And so... I think it's important with these types of metrics to just like you said, to look, hey, here's your team. And it may not be that we're trying to cut the team, but when you're paying them hourly wages, technically from an accounting standpoint, they are a, a direct cost. But the reality is it's a fixed cost. If the people come in, you're paying them, that's three hundred thousand dollars. So now we need to figure out what dollar amount do we need to get to where that percentage is more back in line. And so I agree. It's looking at those advertising dollars and are we getting the right patient set? And then now is the front desk doing their job with proper training to get case acceptance. Are we presenting with the right fee? So now we need to get top line numbers up to now offset that 30% higher than normal team costs. And so now you start running the numbers and I know that's what your team specializes in, but you start looking at, okay, you need really need to be probably million two, million three to really get this into the 22, 23, 24 you know, percent type goal that we're really at. So again, kind of goes back to what you said is just having those clean financial statements are really important so that we can motivate our team and motivate in case the doctor to tackle these these issues that we're faced right now with higher interest rates and, and inflation and all these things that you're hearing kind of on the negative side, you know, from doctors. So just any comments on that? Oh man, do I have comments? No, I, I always have comments. You can just ask me, I talked to a wall, my friend about this. No, I, you know, it's such a good point, Charles, because the reality is, is that I, I want to say two things here. Number one, I think you make an excellent point about, you know, seeing the numbers and then setting goals based on it. Like there are so many people in this world. We just need goals. Right. And it's not necessarily that I'm trying to exceed those goals, but just understand, well, where should I be? Because a lot of our clients, I mean, we've got almost 3000 clients here at the firm. And a lot of them oftentimes feel like they're on an island because they talk to their friends and they're not sure if what their friends are telling them is actually true as far as numbers go. And so for us to be able to take this report and say, no, like here are your goals based on the area you're in. Yes, I understand that you are in this pocket on the Northeast that has higher inflation costs. Great. Right now, we're going to see that your staff salaries are a little bit higher. But what we're going to aim towards is to get it to where this is back in line in the next two years. And here's how we're going to do it. 
top line. We're going to go do X, Y, and Z to grow this top line for you, right? And so I think that's that's great. So setting goals there is incredibly important. Uh, you want to say something, and I want to hear it, but I do want to parking lot and talk about inflation trends here in just a second. But what do you want to say, Charles? Well, you can't give the king of analogy guy an analogy without me taking your analogy and running with it. So if you go island, I go boat. Oh, okay. So boat, I think about many times as these doctors, they're on a boat without a compass on a dark night or a GPS. I think that many times they're just out there and they're just spinning around and they have no idea where they are. They don't know they're in first place or in last place. I think it really has to do with starting probably with their financial statements. Then it really opens the door up for, you know, the opportunity with how much they make it, opportunity for their tax money, opportunity with their pension plan, opportunity with their wealth that they're building or not building. And I think this, this boat is just kind of spinning and it can't even get to the island that ultimately that they're trying to achieve. So I agree. It's just, it's just something I'm super passionate about. Obviously we see financial statements every day. And these are just, it's great that the Cane Waters has these types of resources just so we're a point in the right direction. And now it's getting a team together to kind of help us get there. Let's go back to your interest rates because I know you were very passionate about that. Well, I, but I had to get this off my chest. This analogy of boat and, and island, I just needed to get it out there. I was actually just, you went there and I was then thinking fishing and then the <laughs> fishing led to, you know, ranch waters and not that I would ever drink those no, boat no. while fishing in the yeah, Caribbean, yeah. but whatever. So, no, I think it's it's a great point, and it's another way, again, so we can use this report for goals and making sure our profit and loss statements are, are, are organized and things like that. One of the other things that I think we can use this report for is a little bit of encouragement. Again, we talked earlier, some people can get discouraged by it. You shouldn't be. You should be encouraged by maybe a little bit of what's going on in the industry. And I think some trend stuff, you referenced this a second ago, and I just wanted to go back to, you know, what we see in this report is, is that top line in 21 and 22 for both the GPs and a lot of the specialties is pretty close. Some of them are flat. Some of them are actually down a tick. And so I think that, you know, while that would normally be maybe a discouragement to people that, oh, no, something's going to happen in dentistry because of the, quote, recession, the coming recession, it actually should be a bit of an encouragement. Because what we saw in 21 was the all-time record boom for basically everything in the economy. Right? I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. Cryptocurrencies, bottles of wine, bottles of bourbon, sports cards, dental practices, everything went way up in 21. And so when you look at 22 and you see all of a sudden the numbers in our report are the same or maybe slightly lower, I think you can maybe get discouraged by the state of dentistry. I would challenge you to be encouraged by that, listeners, because the reality is, is that if we maintained 21 numbers in 22, if we go back and compare it to our numbers back in 2018 and 2019 and we're up 15, 20, 25% in total, oh boy, that's great. We love that. Now, we are seeing increases in the cost, and we can kind of talk for a second about how do we get around those here shortly, but the reality is, is I think that that inflation is also somewhat encouraging on our top line that we're maintaining this the spike that we had in 21. Let's talk about what you just alluded to. So when you're in consult with your 90, and obviously you're a mentor to many of the advisors here at Kane Waters, and I think what's great just by having this many number of clients that you get to see what works. So when you're looking at repairing that top line and, and getting it uh, to, to a higher number, what are some of the things and, and solutions that you recommend? Or I know many dentists, you know, might be hesitant about bringing a consultant, you know, in and what type of return on investment they're going to get with that. But just give me a little, I don't know, snippet of just like your experience with just consultings and just, just getting that top line above where it is. 
Well, you, Charles, the one thing that, you know, you taught me many things over the years as you've mentored me here over the years. And one of the things that I learned from you and, and I continue to communicate to my clients is, is the word hustle, right? I mean, you taught me that you never stop hustling and not in like a negative light at all, but like I just keep grinding and keep working and keep working as hard as you possibly can. And, and I think that's one of the big conversations I've had with clients right now. I think some people that are maybe a little bit discouraged by the costs rising higher than maybe the top line. We just say, hey, look, it, it got easy there for a couple years. Things just kind of fell in our lap with, you know, PPP money or ERTC or COVID money or stimulus or whatever else it is. Is, let's go back to what we were 10 years ago. We were a bunch of small business owners that just worked our butts off each and every day in the community and things like that. And I think that's one of the best ways to repair that top line. I, I should say repair the top line. The top line's fine. It's the margins, right? They are getting squeezed a little bit because of inflation. So number one, just go hustle, grow that top line the best you can. Number two, I think that, you know, potentially looking at, if you haven't had it in a few years, you probably haven't because of COVID, potentially looking at bringing in a consultant of some sort, especially as you look at these numbers, if things are not mapping up as well for you, I think there's a lot of value in potentially going and saying, all right, it's been four or five years. Let me go get that. And, and I, I will get something out of that that will help me, you know, kind of navigate these choppy waters that we're dealing with right now. So I think that's a big one. You know, number three, I think is again, just education on where we're at. And, and so really understanding, okay, hey, look, I'm actually a little bit high here and I need to make some tweaks. And then I'm going to go to the last one. I saved it for very last. Number four are maybe the more difficult things for us to do. All of our dentists struggle with fees, right? They just struggle with it. And the reality is, is that when you don't increase your fees at an appropriate rate along, along the way, but you're continuing to see your other costs increase, you're basically just letting, you're passing that bag yourself basically Correct. right and so you gotta keep increasing your top line so i think you've got to focus in on your fees and making sure you're continuing to increase those your patients are seeing increases everywhere in their life and so it's important that you continue to do so so that you're not left holding the bag the second piece of that of course is insurance and that's a big you know, we're actually about to do some work on that on our podcast going through like how do you actually look at dropping insurances maybe negotiating things like that so really going through that process right now is super super important i swear that conversation is like viral right now all across dentistry everywhere Everywhere. Yeah. Everyone's talking about it, you know, and I get it. If you're, if your labor cost has gone up and it's just literally hitting your bottom line without making some of these adjustments that, that are hard adjustments, that's even how you practice dentistry, type of dentistry that you do, elective dentistry, and starting to look at those insurance plans. This is like, I know we, we had a retreat with all of our planners that are connected to all these 3,000 dentists, and that was a huge kind of fire pit conversation that, that was happening. Yeah, and it's it's a rabbit trail we don't need to go on on this episode, but it's been very successful for a few of my practices that have done it. And you've got to pick your spots and things sure, like that. Sure. But uh, look, I mean, the reality is is that there's a lot of ways for you to fight against the inflation issues that we're dealing with right now on your bottom. I mean, I should say on your costs. It's not the same for every single person, but I just listed a handful of those that you should think through focusing on in order to counter that stuff. Well, this has been awesome. I, I think for our listeners, you know, you got our, our transition talk listeners, and these are obviously one or two people they, they own the practice or a younger crowd that is trying to figure out how to own. 
And so the walk away here is knowing how to look at the right practice and identifying where maybe this practice lies. Is it, you know, above the norm, uh, below the norm, worse and key indicators, what kind of financial statements. So this is going to be a good tool for you to utilize as you're analyzing a practice to even purchase. And for my established doctors to really understand that good key financial statements can help motivate you to set those goals, lower those costs. And, you know, sellers, as your practices become more profitable with managing these direct and fixed costs with improved top line, improved, you know, middle line on the direct and fix is it just increases the value of your business. It increases the cash flow that is available for you and potentially your new younger partner that can come in with you. So this has certainly been a valuable exercise interview uh, with you, Hunter. I would love Wait, your can I expertise. Say, can I say a couple things real quick? Yes, yes. Because I love this topic. Okay. I'm, we're probably, she, like, Joan's over there saying, we got to stop. No, no, give me more. Give me more. Well, no, I, lo- I love this topic of, like, how do you use this for a transition, right? Because... I think you've correctly identified for the buyers. Like, I mean, I can't tell you how many buyers I've seen over the years are like, hey, here's a, a set of financial statements. Do you think I should buy this practice? And I'm like, okay, well, great. Well, what's the overhead? Well, I, I don't know. Well, hold on. We got to figure that out. We got to figure out what am I buying? I mean, everything else that we look at in life, like I think the best example that I always use, which if I give this example, you're going to give another example. So we may be here forever. So the best example I always use is like a house, right? Like we get inspections on our home, right? And we do so to make sure like, hey, is the plumbing all looking good? Do I need to replace the electrical? I mean, you don't buy a house sight unseen and then go figure out what's wrong after that, right? And so I've always used that. Maybe y'all have used that in the past on one of your future 80 or your, your previous 87 episodes, but I love that as a comparison. So I think that's important. Sellers, I think you can use this report to really dial in, as Charles said, dial in that overhead because the potential opportunity for you, if you do that, is just monetarily is significant. It's a significant impact. And then I think three, those that are looking for more of a, a transition into maybe a, a bringing in an associate and and things like that, you can really start to use this report to say, am I hitting the top line of that GP1 doc where it's like, I can't do any more and I can't squeeze any more out of this orange, but I still got patients, you know, knocking on my doors and okay, great. I'm going to go be that GP2 all of a sudden. Okay. When I do that, what goals do I need to, you know, set for my overhead and things like that? And you can use it. The numbers are right here for, okay, well, this is how I'm going to scale into that two doc. And this is how I'm going to bring that person in. And these are the costs that I need to be aware of and things like that. So I just think there's so much really great information that you can use this report for, for transitions, which I guess is of course the reason that, you know, I'm on here or you brought me on to talk about the report. Yes. And look, when you go from GP one to two, what takes place? You're pulling equity out of the business, you know, seller. So that could be a young person. You could be 30 buying a business and bringing that associate in. And now you're pulling the equity out. So remember, you know, as, as always, you, you make more money as the owner. Number two, you're pulling equity out of the business at one point, either now or into the future. Obviously, your tax planning, which I really, I want you or somebody from your team to really come back and guide us through some really good tax planning now that we're making all these monies, now that we're utilizing this report and other reports to to make our practices more profitable. Certainly tie in the a pension benefit, which is benefit number four, which helps you to retirement. And then I don't need to mention just you're in charge of your own destiny. So I love the fact of our why. I love our how, which is this NDP podcast. And I love our ability to have just people of great wealth of knowledge. Hunter is so good. His podcast, he's so full of wealth. He manages wealth and he even manages a podcast that has wealth 
in it. I mean, this guy is wealthy. So you're going to get a chance to meet this guy in person, just so you know, you're going to be around a wealth of a human. So Hunter, it has been awesome to have you on board. And I hope Christy, after episode number 88, she allows me to do one more of these because it took 87 for me to gain her trust. Even Joellen was a little bit nervous about uh, me running uh, the show today. She's like, Christy's not coming. So uh, we'll have to get the grade if Charles passed. And if Charles passed, then, you know, you never know. I may be on this thing running the show again. But Hunter, thank you, brother. This has been awesome. You were the man. This was an absolute blast. Thank you for all of your mentorship of me over the years. I wouldn't be half of what you said which is maybe not even all true without that so but hey also we rock this i kind of feel like maybe christy's got a little you know wally pip syndrome here I, she might lose her job i think i can come kick judson out of his chair that's what i was thinking that's what's up right there <laughs> we would get a whole lot more done on that podcast yeah exactly if it wasn't for, yeah no, well if you don't know it would die dramatically yeah he we're, we're, we're broing it out right now man so hey Thank you so much, listeners, and uh, we will be back next week with episode 88. See you guys. That was so good. I'm so sad to not have been there for the first time. Thank you, Charles, for leading the way and Hunter for joining us on Transition Talk. If you're looking for more on practice metrics, we highly recommend you check out the Cane Waters Dental Practice Comparison Report. This complimentary benchmarking tool is helpful for comparing your practice's data to nationwide averages and identifying areas of improvement. Visit canewaters.com to download the report. They are focused on education and it's an incredible asset if you haven't already downloaded it. All right, team, that's all we have for today. Thanks for joining us on episode 87 of Transition Talk. As always, make sure to share the transition love to those who may not know of us yet. And of course, subscribe to Transition Talk wherever you listen to your podcast. Until next time.